Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. generously offered me a New Year slot. <laughs> I'm really, I find that auspicious. Um, it's, it's nice to be here with you, so thank you. So um, I want to talk and sing with you today about befriending the present moment. My understanding, how I came to that understanding, and then some of the strategies uh, taught by the Buddha and even more current um, to help support befriending the present moment. So to begin befriending the present moment, I want to sing for and with you, invite you to sing with me if you like, um, a song, The Words Come From Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and I think I sing this every time I come here. And I sing this also every time I teach a class, including weekly classes. We always start with this song. I have arrived. I am home in the here and in the now. I am solid. I am free. In the ultimate, I dwell. And when Thich Nhat Hanh said that, that was his entire Dharma talk. <laughs> it was the shortest Dharma talk that Thich Nhat Hanh ever gave. I, I have arrived, I am here, I am free in the here and in the now. So I'll sing this, let's go through it two or three times, and it has repeated phrases, and um, if I look over there to see you folks and you see the side of my face, but I want to invite all of you to sing too, if you want, I'm really glad to be here with you. Um, yeah, so let's sing. Oh, yeah. 
suffering exists and that suffering can be ended <clears throat> and you know it seems like the most salient and interesting part of that statement is that suffering can be ended <clears throat> but I remember when I first went to James Barris's beginning um, meditation class in late 1990 hearing the four noble truths for the first time and the first noble truth there is suffering felt like such a relief to me that somebody was simply naming what we're all experiencing, but at least in the kind of mainstream culture that I grew up in, wasn't discussed a lot. And so the the direct naming of, yes, there's suffering here. Yes, there's pain here. And there's loss. And there's change. And there's... Also, what our minds and hearts do in response to these inevitable pain, pains and difficulties and losses in life. And that it's possible with, um, with working with uh, what's called wise understanding, it's possible to radically diminish suffering in this lifetime. And I loved that teaching, and I... but. It's taken me 30 years of practice to get to the point I am now, which is, you know, I still suffer, and and I feel grateful to have learned some strategies that help um, mitigate the inevitable suffering that is part of this journey on the planet. So I want to share some of those with you that I've learned and that you probably know too so just to lift them up um, the Buddha also said that there are two wings to freedom to this diminishing of suffering and those two are wisdom and compassion and those are huge those are huge wings and beneath those wings are the feathers of those wings and multiple myriad feathers on each of the two wings one of the feathers on the wisdom wing 
is the teaching of mindfulness. Beginning to uh, train and then continuing all our lives to train in deepening this natural capacity to inhabit the present moment. We all have it. We're all born with it. This capacity for awareness of what's happening right now. So feeling our, our feet on the floor, that's, that's mindfulness. And what we do in practice and what the Buddha taught and sent the monastics off to sit under roots of, sit in the roots of trees in practice was to strengthen that capacity because we really only have two places to go in our minds. We can either come and be here or we can be in our thoughts. Those are the two choices we get with these brains. And typically, we go through life being primarily in the former place, which is um, identified with thought. And the problem with that is that our brains are wired to uh, see, you know, protect us from danger, keep us alive, which is great. But in combination with a thinking mind, um, that means a lot of fear, a lot of negative thinking, a lot of dwelling on what went wrong or what might, might go wrong, a lot of defensiveness. And all of that reactivity robs us of the potential for peace in a given moment, like this moment that we're in right now. If we name it pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, and it may be any of those or some combination of those for each of us, if we name it, you know, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, that may be true. But also as we come into the present moment, we can see that right in this moment, can't talk about the past or the future, but right in this moment that we're mutually inhabiting here in this space, we're safe. And just that, that we're safe, and then there's more. Very likely... We're, with, we're, we're in amazing like-minded community. Incredible human beings here in this circle. Beautiful. Like Sometimes I think about these sanghas as like winning soccer teams, like, but soccer is life. You know, like, these are the teammates I want to play with. And present moment awareness, we can be lost in like what crummy phone call we had before we got here or the, the kind of scary thing that's going to happen on Monday. Dropping into the moment, the capacity to be here now, even with the unpleasant that's here with us, physical pain may be here, heartbreak, all the rest. This moment can be more of a bringer of peace when we're in it. So there are many ways to come into the present, um, and we get better and better at it with practice. And yet, just like musicians who practice scales through their entire careers, we can come back to our anchors, just feeling the body in the sitting posture, just noticing the rise and fall of breath. This next piece is also words from Thich Nhat Hanh. And again, I invite you to sing with me um, once you have a sense of how it goes. Yeah. 
noble truth that the Buddha taught is that there is suffering here. It's, it's in the fabric of this being, this, this life. And then the second noble truth is that um, suffering is caused by clinging. And I, you know, for years that was obtuse to me. I preferred saying suffering is caused by ignorance. That made more sense to me with the following teachings. But now I'm understanding more what this is. Suffering is caused by clinging. If we replace the word clinging with reactivity, The moment is what it is. It's arising as it is. And it's going to have some combination of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, with one of those being the foremost. Uh, but, it, but it always will have those kind of feeling tones as part of the moment. So it's arising as it is. If there is reactivity, when the predominant feeling tone is pleasant, like those wonderful moments on the beach... You know, or all those cozy, wonderful, yummy moments of life. When those arise, uh, without being fully present, as lost in thought, we cling to those. We want those to be the entire truth of reality. And we, have, because our minds can imagine, we imagine that could be so. But that's not how it is here. Things are changing all the time, running through neutral, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, pleasant, unpleasant. Well, we cling to the pleasant, and then when the pleasant goes away, which it will, we suffer. Simultaneously, when unpleasant arises, loss, physical pain, challenges of all kinds, when we're not dropped into the present and observing how it's moving through, we get frightened and we push away. And we push away through numbing and blaming and self-blame and rage and horrible tweets. (laughs) (laughs) All the things we do that actually aggravate, aggravate our suffering in the same way that clinging to impermanent pleasant can aggravate our suffering. The attempting to push away or get away from the unpleasant that arises and reactivity also aggravates, makes the suffering worse. And even with the neutral, and I've come to love neutral moments because I find them restful, but the uh, mind, when it's kind of just doing its own thing, ignores neutral. So we miss big swaths of our lives because we're spaced out. And poet Mary Oliver, one of the, who's a lesbian, by the way, one of the um, things that she said is, in one of her poems, Mindful, is not to miss the prayers that are made out of grass. And our reactive mind will grasp onto the pleasant, push away the unpleasant, and ignore the neutral. And for, we pay a price for that reactivity, and that price is increased suffering, both in terms of uh, just more distress in our system, but also, as I mentioned, in terms of not getting as many opportunities to savor the arising of what's happening right now in the lived moment. So we have mindfulness as a really powerful tool. You know, that's, that's the tool that brings us back into the present moment. And we want to practice that, deliberately practice that, and we do. Then there are more tools, once we're here in the present moment, that I find incredibly useful. Um, and that's going to bring us over to the compassion wing. So here we are in the present moment. There's suffering here. You know, it's easy. You just have to flash on any of a million things going on in the world right now to call up suffering if you don't already have it in your own present moment, which probably most of us do because that's what it's like to be here. There's suffering and there's joy. So the Buddha taught these four really incredibly useful ways to respond to the present moment once we're here in it. 
and they're called the Brahma Viharas, and that means the divine abodes of the heart. These are all-inclusive sort of ways to respond. And they are uh, traditionally called loving-kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. And again, as I've been working with these in my own practice, I, I've, I try to find language that I can more resonate with. So loving-kindness is a lovely word, but for me it's a bit remote. Not something I grew up with. A little cold. So for that first one, metta, loving-kindness, I prefer the word befriending. And my journey involved uh, befriending. I was already, already was capable of befriending other people, although you know my mind would judge and, and separate people into who I loved and who I didn't love and so forth, and still does that. But I wasn't so great at befriending what I called myself. And so my journey involved a lot of, of uh, work around self-befriending, which um, I began to realize is ultimately whether we're befriending ourselves, holding ourselves in kindness, or befriending others, or befriending, you know, people unknown to us, or animals, or plants, or the earth, or whatever it is we're working on befriending. What ultimately that means for each of us, if we're going to drop into the present moment, is befriending the entirety of the moment. It's not about self and others. It's about bringing awareness into the moment, sensing what's here, and befriending it. So what I'm trying to say is like, what we define as self is like, say, the physical sensations of sitting in the chair right now, uh, the thoughts that may be coming through the mind, the emotions, uh, you know, the sense, the thoughts that create a sense of self, our sense of our histories and our futures, all of that is happening in the present moment. Similarly, I'm occurring for you in the present moment. Here I am. And the floor and the walls and the folks, you know, all the folks that are either here if you're online or online if you're here. This is all happening in the present moment. Awareness meets all of this. And then the invitation with metta, with loving kindness, is to befriend it. So that can mean being friendly toward, literally, you know. It can also mean what are taught in the other Brahma Viharas. If we're countering any, encountering right now in this present moment anything unpleasant, some pain in the body, some worry or distress, to meet that also with befriending, which looks like compassion. And compassion can be tender and loving. Compassion can also be fierce and boundary drawing. Kind of depends on what the present moment is offering. However, it's about love. It's about love. Sharon Salzberg has a really wonderful story to illustrate the fierce compassion. She says... When she was an early practitioner in India, she was on her way in a, in, a, in a vehicle drawn by an animal, I can't remember the name of the vehicle, through a crowded part of the city on her way to meet her teacher. When she was grabbed out of the vehicle by a big person in the crowd and pulled away, and she had this sense that this was the end, um, somehow she got free, she got back in the vehicle, she got to her teacher, she described this, and she said, Where, you know, how does one respond with compassion in a situation like this? And the teacher said, Sharon, with all the compassion in your heart, you hit the person over your head with your umbrella. <laughs> You know, but it's both. It's with all the compassion in your heart. Like, this present moment is arising. And the appropriate thing right now is a firm boundary. But it doesn't have to entail hate. 
we kind of believe, we do believe, because we have these, you know, lizard brains that that buy into this, that 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 hate is necessary. Um, and really, when we come into the moment and notice those moments where boundaries are necessary, hate isn't so necessary. And we don't have to conflate hate and boundaries. What we do need always is compassion for the difficult moments, small, medium, and large. So I want to offer a compassionate song right now. Um, I think I'm going to teach you a new one. I, I Usually when I come here and everywhere I go, I sing a really great compassion song from Melanie Damore called Sending You Light. And I'm going to track time. And we might still do that anyway. But I want to teach you one that I learned. Actually, I learned this melody a long time ago from a cook at Spirit Rock, but I've only recently begun singing it. And it's Om Mani Padme Om, which you may know. It has many, many melodies. Um... And Om Mani Padme Om literally means the jewel in the lotus, uh, homage to the jewel in the lotus. The jewel in the lotus is considered the heart of the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin or Avalokiteshvara, which is compassion. Compassion is considered the greatest uh, form of beauty, wealth, wisdom. So as we chant Om Mane Padme Om, we're invoking this energy of compassion, and people do this all over the world with this chant.
So befriending the moment. So we come into the moment, and then we respond with love. And these four possible ways to offer love, befriending, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. The befriending is um, really supported by the loving-kindness phrases, may we be safe, may we be peaceful, may we be as healthy as possible, may we live with ease. And not because any of these states make us better people, but just because these states support well-being. And even when we're wishing them and knowing maybe that some of them aren't reachable right now for ourselves or another, still we wish them in the sense of of aligning with friendliness and wishing for well-being. And one of the pieces of this practice that I like is that as I wish safety and peace, as much health as possible, and ease to myself or others... I can notice uh, which ones of those things are already present. And that can be grounding. Um, particularly with when I'm wishing safety for someone and I know that they're safe. And then there's also, of course, the times when we're wishing for safety and we know someone is not safe. And then we quickly can move into compassion. Compassion practice, but also compassionate action. These, these uh, forms of love offer uh, appropriate response, so we just move to where that's appropriate. So the third one is, so there's befriending, and then there's compassion, and then the third one is appreciative joy. And that's where we can drop into a present moment, and depending on what's here, in terms of our own experience, If there's something good arising, then we can meet that with gratitude. And gratitude is a superpower because it lifts the mind out of its uh, negative sort of stories for a moment and into something that replenishes us. And the teachings in Buddhism are that joy is essential. We can't actually make it to freedom without joy. And my understanding about the reason for this is that we need these moments of joy in order to um, replenish our energy. Otherwise, we're just too depleted. And in our culture, joy is put to the bottom of the to-do list often. And yet, it's essential. It shows up as one of the factors of enlightenment in Buddhism. And so, cultivating joy and cultivating mindfulness, which helps us be more, have sort of more attunement to these smaller joyful moments of a sunlight on a leaf kind of moments, um, really helps with deepening in joy, practicing gratitude. So there's an ancient Chinese saying, if I keep a green bough in my heart, a singing bird will come. And I think that can mean many things. But in this context, think of a green bough as deliberate gratitude. Conscious, deliberate gratitude. Looking for the good and appreciating it intentionally. And as I keep this green bough in my heart, a singing bird will come. And that is that replenishing of, of joy, of delight, of peace. So this song uses those words and can actually be sung around. I don't know if we're up for it this morning, but just FYI, it's going to be sung around. <laughs>
one that particularly needs to be remembered you know if you say you wake up in the morning and um, you know you haven't even woken up yet and the mind has already gone down some rabbit hole and by the time you wake up there's already anxiety this is really common so then drop into the present moment okay there's the comfort of the bed befriend the moment how do we befriend the moment there's that anxiety. Okay, so we might need that with compassion. Or we might even just turn to gratitude in this moment and notice that, yes, unpleasant is the predominant feeling tone right now because of the anxiety. And there's also the comfort of the bed and the, and the safety of the space and the darkness of the room. And it's possible to just notice these beautiful things, the warmth of the space, and begin to like, meet that with love. And then feel how, this is the teaching, as we let go of reactivity and turn toward the moment with love, we deepen our capacity for peace and freedom from suffering. So, is this the time we end the talk? Is it, is it now 10.45 or is it 10.50? Um, we could do another five minutes or okay. so. Okay, yeah, let's just t- touch in on equanimity a little bit and then we'll be complete. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so so the, there's dropping in the moment and there's befriending, compassion, appreciative joy. And then equanimity, which is even for a moment to let the moment be what it is, even when it's really hard, but certainly when it's neutral or pleasant, just to let it be. And this is a really powerful form of love. Anytime anyone lets me be who and how I am, I feel that sense of being accepted is a form of being loved. 
Accepting the moment is no different. When, we're, when we allow the moment to be what it is, even for just a pause before we respond, perhaps with compassionate action, we're offering the moment a little bit of space to just arise without reactivity. And more and more often, it becomes clear as, as we practice with this that it's possible to let be a lot that non-interference is a gift often. Including, you know, like, you know, with the, the difficult relative who, you know, is talking too much or whatever those t- kinds of moments happen in life, you know. Even those, you know, we still can take compassionate action, take care of ourselves, and yet react less and feel the peace of that. So equanimity is the fourth form of love and it's this form of letting be. So we will close with the Beatles song, Let It Be. Mm-hmm. And I want to um, just say, in case you didn't know, that um, you know when Paul McCartney wrote this song, he wrote it because he'd had his mother had died when he was young, and he had had was in some distressing time, and he had a dream in which his mother, whose name was Mary, mm-hmm. came to comfort him. So when he wrote. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. He was talking about his mom. So that said, uh, we can still interject into Mother Mary comes to me. We can interject compassion or Kuan Yin, the Bodhisattva of compassion. Um, You know, just make the words work for you. Yeah. When I find myself in Mother Mary comes to me
Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> I feel my heart is open all of a sudden. Thank you. So, um, do we have announcements? Oh, well, just first of all, you have you have CDs available. I right? do. They're out on the on the um, coffee table. Yes. Yes. For people who aren't here to get one in person, go to evedecker.com. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, and I also want to let people know that I'm co-teaching a retreat February, uh, non-residential in Berkeley, uh, February 6th through 11th on Transforming Judgmental Mind. So um, if that's appealing, there's flyers out there or it's on my website. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, we have a host today? Yes, we do have a host. Hi, everybody. Hi, girls. Uh, you're invited to enjoy the company of the Sangha after we uh, finish up here. There's hot water for coffee and tea. Uh, when you're done with your cups, just put them in the sink and I'll take care of them. There's some snacks out there, too. I've been holding off on those little pecan bites, you know. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to having one myself once I get out there. Um, at 12.30, often people meet outside the front door uh, and go off to lunch together. And I will be passing around the Donna Bowl, the Pali word for generosity, and uh, your contributions. We suggest uh, anywhere from 10 to $20. Uh, we accept everything, and for you folks at home, <laughs> go on to the website. Yes, you can donate from home. And uh, uh, and the monies go for our speakers, for hiring this wonderful uh, uh, hall, uh, renting the hall, and, uh, and also our newsletter that goes out. I think that's about it. And I just want to add that there are other ways that one can practice generosity uh, in non-monetary ways. Uh, we're a volunteer organization, and we always we just have about just just the right amount of just the, the minimum amount of, of people to help us set up the tech or a host like I'm doing today. So we welcome anybody who'd be interested in, uh, in contributing in those, in those ways. Uh, there are all sorts of volunteer possibilities. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, Cash, this is Richard. I yes, have Richard. an announcement. Yes, please. Yeah, so uh, Vajra, we are having a retreat at Vajrapani April 17th to 21st. I think it's the first time GBF is doing a uh, it was Wednesday to Sunday retreat. Sean is our teacher. More information will be forthcoming, but save the dates, April 17th to 21. And uh, so you'll, soon in the Google group, you'll have more information forthcoming. Thank you, Richard. Um, so welcome back to people who are joining us again for after long absence. We're happy to see you. Um, next week our speaker will be uh, Michael Patrick Bovenis. Um, he's a metaphysician, published author, spiritual healer, and the founder of Soul Oceans, a revolutionary personal empowerment teaching focused upon activating your inner power to create the changes you desire by aligning with your true purpose, inner wisdom, and empowered destiny. That's next week, January 14th. So, um, Eve, would you like to do the dedication of merit, or we can offer our songs? Uh, um, I'm happy to. Uh, a spoken dedication of merit? Yes. Okay. Um, so, um, we'll gather in a circle. Okay. And, um, <laughs> And send healing thoughts to George. Hopefully, um, um, he's um, he'll be fine. May the merit of our practice of our hearts of our very lives be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. May all these everywhere know peace and the causes of peace.
Thank you, everyone. That's so great. Thank you so much. I know, like, the teachings kind of connect us to the past. Yeah, yeah. To the lineage. Right, right. But I feel like music does it so much. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm in the middle ages. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month, and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.